Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. And I'm Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you tonight, Ms. Laura? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Are you breathing a sigh of relief <laughs> that I'm here? You got here just in the nick of time. You haven't given me that heart failure in, oh, gosh, a couple of months. Hey, that's plenty of breathing room. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you made it. Well, thank you. Have you had a good weekend? Uh, Well, we've had, yes, a good weekend, a busy weekend. As you know, we were in Atlanta visiting Bill's parents, mostly his mother because it was her 81st birthday, so that was really nice. But we we Zoomed down Friday and Zoomed back Saturday, and we didn't Zoom quite as quickly as we had hoped because there was lots of traffic (laughs) and, not accidents, but road construction and whatnot, so... And then today, I'm um, just catching up on work stuff and getting ready for the week. So, yeah, it was good, but it was busy. I'm looking forward <laughs> to a quiet one. You need, you'll need some time to relax. California last weekend, and then Atlanta this weekend. You need some time off. Yeah, you know, I'm not the last of the great world travelers, so it's <laughs> kind of stressful for me to leave. Looking forward to uh, Labor Day or Memorial Day. Weekend. Memorial Day. Yeah. Being at home and being quiet. Well, I hope you get rest, but I hope you have a phenomenal week between now and then and have great therapy sessions. Well, thank you. So do I. <laughs> Before we get started with tonight's topic, um, my announcements, therapy tip of the week uh, did get posted on Friday. We had been down for a couple of weeks because of my illness. It was really hard to film that when I was having my hysterical coughing fits uh, like the show last week. And just thinking about the show today, I thought, oh, I'm going to take cough medicine just to be sure that's really, really gone. So hopefully we won't have any of that today. But uh, I started a new series on Therapy Tip of the Week about pretend play. And, you know, we talk about that, oh, pretty much every show it feels like but I always get lots of good questions about pretend play and what do I do if my child is not participating in that kind of play and therapists asked me about it I saw a friend of ours who's a therapist a couple weeks ago and she asked me about that or maybe she sent it in on Facebook when I did a little plug a week or so ago with what topics would you like to see on Therapy Tip of the Week. So I've started a little series about that, and the first installment is up, so I wanted to mention that. And then secondly, um, boy, have sales been awesome for the new book, and I have really loved getting the emails and the great feedback from parents and therapists. It's been well-received on both ends. So I wanted to mention that and say a very big thank you. We've almost, our supply has not been able to keep up with demand. So that's that's a nice, exciting, fun problem to have if you're looking at, yeah, we've been kind of pulling back on marketing because it's we can hardly <laughs> keep up. Well, that is a good problem. I'm not surprised, but that really kind of makes all the hard work Worth it to see people are happy with it and, and ordering it and enjoying it and putting it to use. I know. And we had two big um, 
grad school's order the entire collection this week, so those were fun things. The University of Kentucky, people think I went there, as crazy as I am about UK. No, my children go there, but I didn't go there. <laughs> uh, so they ordered the entire collection for their um, infant and toddler class that they're offering this summer, so that was fun to oh, get cool. that order and talk to their staff. I don't think I told you that in our Mm-mm. conversations this week. No. And then another college, College of St. Rose in Albany, New York. I have no personal connections there at all either, and they also ordered. I noticed that uh, when I look at orders and see a university um, like the who it's to, and it says that that always makes me excited. So I wanted to mention that as well. So those were big highlights this week. Sure, that's exciting. It was pretty good. I wanted to mention one other thing that you talked about last week briefly on the show, and I meant to talk to you about it all week long, every time we texted or talked, and I never mentioned it. When we were talking about Frog in the Box, and if anyone remembers that toy from several weeks ago on Therapy Tip of the Week, and then I gave Kate one of those for her birthday, and she came up with an ingenious idea with a way to expand Frog in a Box. And you talked it last week on the show when we were talking about it. Did we talk about it on the show, or was this just I think so. I think it came up, yeah. And you said the animals, and you were talking, oh, yeah, because you were giving an example with that little girl, how it stuck to the wall, and she thought that was funny. And I meant to say to you, Oh, you must have added your other toys to that, but somehow, you know, I never got around to saying that or we moved on or talked about something else. So why don't you talk about how you expanded that toy beyond just the frog? Because we had talked about it, I think, just in a regular conversation. Right. Yeah, and sometimes the difference between our regular conversations (laughs) and our podcast is pretty, it's a fine line. Um, it really wasn't all that ingenious, Laura. It was just all I did was um, think, well, hey, if the frog's cool, let me see what else I have. And for whatever, because I'm a hoarder, I guess, I still had, um, oh, they're, they're beanie babies, but they were actually the smaller, like, McDonald's versions. Right. Um, and, you know, my kids are grown, and those things are a dime a dozen. Every, every Years ago, I think, um, you know, we were supposed to believe that they were going to be valuable someday, but really they're not. <laughs> but they are valuable for sticking them in the frog box. And mm-hmm. so I just got out, and I really need to go back down and dig through more junk to find the rest of them because I know we have tons of those I someplace. do, too. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, so that's all I did was use the different animals because guess what? That gives them an opportunity to learn different um, animal names and tr- for me to try and get to them to say them and we work on the animal sounds that go with them and so and choices you could do all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff you could do some receptive language things with that you could have a kid guess which one you were going to do you know like you were hiding it from him and he had to guess which animal would pop out i have a little girl right now in my caseload that i'm going to see on wednesday and i think she will think that is hysterical <laughs> to be able to guess. She's over three, and she has some lots and lots of nouns in her vocabulary. And we're trying to get some verbs, and she, again, is really bright. And so to try to challenge, her mom is having a hard time with her wanting to really sit down and play with her. So this the session of this 
the focus of the session this week is going to be what do you do when a kid doesn't really want to do therapy-related stuff. And, you know, she's over three, so she's smart enough to know, oh, gosh, when mom sits down with me, this might not be all fun and games anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Figured that out, has she? She has. And so I've got, I don't see this uh, sweet little family every week. I see them, they're... You know, she's over three, so I just see them whenever we schedule that. And (laughs) that's been a question and something I've been thinking about. Okay, I've got to bring out the big guns for her because she's so smart. And, again, she's a little older than um, children in our birth to three program. So that's something I'm going to talk with her mom about this week. And some other ideas that we're going to do. I'm going to do some try to introduce some little arts and crafts things with her because she's, I don't think she's ever really done any of that. And I think that'll be a nice change for her mom. And so that might be what we talk about next week. What do you do when um, kids don't necessarily want to play with you? And this happens a lot, don't you think, when kids are ter- about to turn three and they've seen you for a year or a year and a half? Oh, absolutely. Don't, don't you yeah. find that? Yeah, they Sometimes that get... last month or two can really be a challenge to try and figure out what am I going to do to keep his or her interest. And I always joke that in a way I wish we could discharge him at 35 months because <laughs> <laughs> then be right, happy. Be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, you're done, <laughs> okay. And it always seems like that last month or two, like you said, particularly if you started relatively yeah. early with them and you've yeah. been at it and they know all your coolest toys right. they know all of your routines i will say i think your art um emphasis some sort of art project is good most kids who are approaching three or even a little beyond who are pretty mm-hmm. cognitively intact they love that kind of stuff and some I moms think she'll just don't ever it. think to do it with kids that age so yeah I think she'll love that, and I'm, I haven't done any kind of sensory box with her, and so I'm going to take lots of options. And again, this is a family that I don't see all the time. I'm really, you know, every two or three weeks I see them, and so it's a lot of our session really is saying to mom, showing her an idea, and then saying, and let's talk about the three or four different variations of this idea that you can use between now and the next time that I see you. So maybe that's what we'll talk about on next week's show or just some some different spins on um, and, and some things that you could do with children who are a little bit older. And it's always funny when I talk to a speech pathologist who does preschool because to her, the kids that are turning three are just babies when, mm-hmm. when they're coming in. And, you know, when a kid is turning three... Not so much anymore since I'm seeing more and more three- and four-year-olds, but, I mean, those are big kids to me. I think, oh, my goodness, you're old. So it's pretty funny how perspective kind of changes that. Right. Well, in that age, I mean, a lot of times parents, the art stuff can be potentially messy. It can't, and so that's a good thing. A lot of times they really need still a fair amount of assistance to be able to do it successfully, and we always like that. So right, right, that's a good one. And I've so I think that's that what we'll talk about kids. next week. Yeah, yeah and I did older. a lot of that, and it really does depend on if your kid likes it or not. My daughter loved that much and would sit through those kinds of things really early versus what the boys wanted to do with that. So it's really interesting, too, that sometimes that can be a gender thing. Right. It does seem like more girls, although I've had my handful of boys who really like that stuff, too. But Yeah, especially if they haven't done a 
lot of it. Now, sometimes their moms have already worn them out on that and can't really do it. So mm-hmm. you just kind of have to judge kid by kid. All right, before we get going, I think we have a caller. Let's put the caller on and see if they want to talk, or sometimes, you know, our callers just want to listen. So we'll try to figure out which one this is. Hi, caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are y'all? Hi. I'm good. How are you? And it's somebody who says y'all, so you must be calling from my part of the world. <laughs> yes, I am. I am, yes. I, um, I always identify whenever I hear you guys on the blog, blog talk radio so much. I'm like, yep, she's from where I'm from. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what okay, can we do for so you I, tonight? I don't know where to start. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, let me just tell us your name. Call. Tell us your okay, name, name or what you want us to call you. <laughs> okay. My name is Bree. Okay. And I am also a speech language pathologist. Uh-huh. But I work with adults and I work wow. with Yeah. Work with adults all day. And then I come home to my little two year old, almost uh-huh. two and a half year old. Work with him most of the rest of the night. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, a couple of different questions. Okay. And I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much. And to all those parents out there who think that just being a speech language pathologist, like we know all how all know how to do it, we don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was and this is no joke, I would drive down the road and give him flashcards while we were going to daycare. <laughs> and yeah. I would give him flashcards. I was like, Cow, cow. Yeah. Have you please tell me you've changed that, Bree? Oh yes. I took him for his first assessment when he was 15 months, Uh and she said, "No red flags. I don't see anything." But I promise you, from one month, at one month, he was he was not doing like a gaze with me when I was nursing, and I've never Uh been around children before, and so I. So he's your first baby. Yes, and I had taken him to the doctor, and the doctor was like, oh, you think he's blind? I'm like, no, I think he's going to have communication problems. He's not gazing at me. Right. And it was literally like, you know, six months. I'm like, well, he's kind of laid on his babbling. He's not babbling yet. And I remember Uh looking at his daycare teacher one day, and I said, I just don't know that he's babbling as much as he he was. And she looked at me, and she was like, babbling? (laughs) You know, so sometimes we just take some of those things for granted. But anyway. He didn't have his first word until 15 months. And it's uh-huh. kind of been late on everything. He didn't start walking until 14 months. Uh-huh. So, anyway, um, 15 months I took him. She was like, no red flags, let's just wait and see. And so then I took him again at 23 months. And, you know, I think he scored like 108 on receptive and maybe 102 on expressive right. on PLS. So you're talking about standard scores. So for our yes. our our listeners who aren't therapists and who don't live and breathe and buy the <laughs> standard score test, the score of 100 typically means right at the 50th percentile, so right smack in the middle of average. Right. And, and I so that made me- you not worry, right? No. <laughs> no. That did not help me at all, no. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. he is hanging on the bottom side of a normal, you know, um, right. with his little tiny fingernails. And so, anyway, and I knew what I was doing. I was like, he's struggling. You know, I did early intervention right. for about two months until I realized I was horrible at it. 
And so, <laughs> you, know, you needed to go work with big people. Yeah. <laughs> some of the few that I, you know, did work with, it was like once you just gave them, I mean, the idea, you know, the the sign or, like, got their siblings involved, you know, like, it just kind of all fell into place right. for the few that I worked with. And he right. was like, he's trying to talk, but he's struggling, struggling. Right. Like, duck would come out the most misconstrued, misconstrued <laughs> sound, you know? I'm like, it's duck, honey. And his first <laughs> Real off-target, though. Right, exactly, very off-target. And his first word was outside, out eyed. And his second uh-huh. word was quack, and I'm like, can we come up with cow or something besides so compound yeah. and quack? But yeah. anyway, I'm getting lost with subject. But he, um, well, you're right at home with I, us, so just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do home help, and you guys are just such my companions. It used to be Dave Ramsey, but now it's you all. Every time, oh. you know, I'm like, sometimes I'm sitting in the driveway and I'm like, okay, I just have to listen to this one last thing, and the person's staring at me. But um, anyway, so they, um. She did point me in the direction of you, though, and Aww. it just... Who did and the is that a therapist I know? I'm sorry, do what? Kate, what did you say? The I was asking I, who pointed her in the direction, in oh, your direction. The, the speech therapist that evaluated him at 23 months. Okay. okay. Yeah, he she did not qualify, of course, uh-huh. the um, And I took him to a private speech therapist, Um and he did not qualify, and okay. but he did point me in the direction of you. And he did not say he was not saying mommy, not saying daddy, not saying any version of it. And mm-hmm. so, whenever she told me about you, so I came home, ordered your DVD, and was started listening to the blogs. And he was 24 months December the 10th, and by the first of January, he had said mommy and daddy. Yes, and I just wanted to be like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And it was like I felt like I felt so foolish because I was was doing it so wrong, you know. I was I'm not I'm not playful. It's not my nature. Right. I was just trying to browbeat it into him, you know. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Bree. In grad school, did you have an infant toddler class? No. Or no? No. No. We we had... Like, you know, the the courses, and, and to be honest, I always knew I wanted to work with adults, so I probably right. didn't pay much attention to that. It wouldn't have even mattered. Right. Right. But, right. you know, most, sure. I mean, it was just skim and scan over. But as far as ever watching someone therapy with, you know, that population, even in grad school, you know, the children that we observed and the children that we worked with, none of them were that, were that young. And right. so I remember when they asked me to do early intervention because I didn't have any body and they were like please please you know there's just not enough of us and I was like okay yeah and I remember I think I might have actually gotten on Google you know because I was like I'm not really sure I'm used what to, to free, do right rehabbing pages off of feeding tubes <laughs> you know right. just, it was such a right. such a change and so right. anyway um and I it made me laugh because it was right around Christmas and his birthday so we got to use pool and I mean, you were when you said that you um, when you put your hand up by your mouth and uh-huh. have them fall something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it was like magic. It was like magic. All I had to do is put my hand up around my mouth and yell, "Daddy!" I mean, he loved it. And the same thing with <laughs> yeah. Paul. Like, oh, and he just yeah. 
snapped right into it, you know. And I was like, this makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you know, you don't really learn that from a book. No, you don't. You don't. And well, now wait, Laura. You could learn it from your book. Okay, but you maybe could learn not it. From your book. But the ones that you have in grad school, not so much. No, and I was going to tell you that that should be your next thing that you work on is a textbook. That should be your next endeavor. You know what? Did you hear the introduction, Bree? We're more and more grad schools are ordering my stuff to use as their like uh, clinical training just for their companions. I mean, I think that they're using other academic textbook things, but a a lot of this was, and I didn't say this before, but the the College of the St. Rose that ordered this week, UK already had some of my stuff, but that's the 16th graduate school that we've tracked that we know that are using um, the DVDs and the therapy manuals as the, okay, here's how you really do it. Here are the nuts and bolts. Watch this and and use the, the uh, materials that way. And I love that because unless you see somebody work with a baby, you don't really know how to do it. Right. And, you know, I just loved the um, the, the thing that you had on your website about, you know, is, is bad speech therapy better than no speech no therapy. Speech therapy. Like, yeah. Ooh, I could have a half hour conversation with her about that because I don't know. <laughs> it's I know. I mean, I know because I'm one of them. I'm, I was terrible at it until I had your help to just be like, play with your child, you know, but I, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm like, this is a duck. Duck, say duck. Here it is, right. duck, you know, and right. just com- completely going about it horribly wrong. And so, anyway. So how's he doing now? Yes, that's where I am now. I'm having a really hard time. I think everything kind of starts to get really jumbled up, and I don't ever feel like I have anyone to talk through about, like, his plan of care and whether or not what I'm doing is the best thing for him. Because sometimes I think that he has auditory processing issues, uh-huh. And sometimes what makes I'm you like, think that? Um, he does not listen to me as far as following directions. You know, uh-huh. he will listen to me maybe twenty-five to no, I'm gonna give him more than that. Fifty to sixty percent of the time, if I give him a two-step command, he will follow it. Uh huh. But. Okay, what is he he doing when he's not following the direction? Because there's a big difference. Uh, And I've got some really good examples of this that I show in conferences, but you can't see that right now. Uh, (laughs) But let me describe it to you. Sometimes when children aren't, when they really have auditory processing issues, They're really trying to follow the direction. They just get lost between A and B. And so you'll see them when you're telling them to do things. They're still looking at you, and they're looking around like, what, huh? And they may even gesture or point to something or try to do the wrong thing that you've asked them to do. And that's how, in my mind, an auditory processing problem really kind of looks at two because the effort is really there. They're totally engaged. They're with you. They're just not quite sure 
what you want them to do. Is that what he's doing, or he's just no? Not I would not you say. Yes, okay. I'm, I would not say at all that he falls under that dynamic. He really, you know, and like I say, sometimes I'll say, um, pick the fire truck up and have him kiss puppy, you know, just something silly right. like that. Uh-huh. And sometimes he'll do it. Or pick the hairbrush up and comb baby's hair, you know, he'll do it. Sure. But other times I'll ha- I'll ask him to do something and he just completely, completely tunes me out. Right. Or will do one step, but he won't follow through with the second step. So I would not say that he is attempting it and failing at it. He's more or less usually just not, you know, he may not okay. all the way through and or not do it. Okay. Have you done the in-between step, which is you really make sure that he can hold um, two items of information kind of in his little working memory? And because you're a therapist, I'm going to use all these words that we don't usually use, like working memory. But this would be, like, if you were, which DVDs do you have, Bree? Do you just have Teach Me to Talk? No, I do you also have, have... Do you have Listen uh, and Obey, too? Listen and Obey. Mm-hmm. And also okay. the therapy manual, so... <laughs> okay, good. Okay, in Listen and Obey, too, there's some really good examples... Excuse me, if when I'm playing with a little girl with a puzzle and I say to her things like, go get me the duck and the cow. And so she has to do two things with, you know, like holding in her little memory and run across the room and bring me those two things back. Or I'll say, take this uh, bird and fly like a bird and put it in the puzzle. Could he do something like that? consistently no no okay. I mean, he, his commands have to be a lot i mean much simpler like more the like in play and he's not really he's not really that's the other question that i have um before we get beyond this but you know when we're playing and i don't know if it's just because i'm mommy or my lack of playability <laughs> Yeah, but you were being so honest. I mean, I just want to applaud you for how transparent and how honest you're being because a lot of therapists do not recognize that about themselves. And I just want to give you an A triple plus for just telling it like it is. I and really appreciate that. It I mean, I do. I know it's it's just I'm not I'm not good at it. I'm really not. So, but you know, when I ask him um when I start trying to manipulate his toys, uh-huh. it really makes him mad. So, you know, I've really tried, what I've really tried to do is, you know, in the therapy manual where you have the the nouns and the um, verbs and the pronouns and yeah. all of those things, I've really tried to just go back and fill those words in because right. he is a, he's a namer, you know. He woke up the other night in the middle of the night and said, Moon? Moon, moon, and then lay down, went back to sleep, pointing out the window, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind yeah. of that stage where you say something seven times until you say, yes, baby, you're right. That is a, you know, fill in the blank. So, right. you know, he's using some two-word phrases. He will be, um, he just two and a half, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Pretty much two and a half, yeah. And so, you know, he will say, um, our dog. Sit, Lucy, stay, or no, no, mama, mine, you know, some things like that. Uh-huh. So um, early, early phrase combinations. Yes, just but a as far really, as, 
really well rehearsed things he's heard over and over and over, right? That's yes, it, and over and over and over and over again because, you know, I mean, really every single day once we start up, once we wake up, it starts, you know. Um, and it's everything that I, that he, with his language, I mean, I really have to teach him over and over and over and over again, yes. I mean, do yeah. you want a popsicle? And he's getting to where I can give him the, the first sound of the word, you know. So, so do you want a popsicle? Nothing. Do you want a popsicle? Nothing. Jackson, do you want a popsicle? He'll say yes, you know. And so, uh-huh. again, that's where I can think he's having auditory processing issues. He's not understanding yeah. what yeah. I'm asking of him. Okay, and, let's back up a step from there. How mm-hmm. engaged, though, is he with you, Bree? How, I mean, is he smiley? Is he really, really social with you? Yes, I mean he. This, okay. I mean this. So no social red so flags loving. at all. No, I mean he, and that's uh, that's one thing that honestly, it's like a lot of the things he has some sensory issues. We uh-huh. just heard OT last week, um, uh-huh. and he has some sensory things going on. Not terrible, but I would have never known. So again, thank you. I was going back to the very beginning, and so I mean. I really yeah. had not heard that much about sensory issues, and yeah. when I listened to that, I was like, "Oh, yep, mm-hmm. yes, yes." Yeah, right. So you know, then I got right. him a referral to OT, so we started with that. But good, loving, kissing, hugging. I mean, this child, and everywhere we go, he always says, "Hi, hi, bye, thank okay. you." Okay. Does you know, he? I mean, what is? What does engaged. he? Let me ask you this: How does he let you know what he wants at home? What does he do? to let you know what he wants. I mean, Usually will just, he initiate with a word? Yes, he will. So, okay. you know, if he if he wants something, about 75% of the time, he'll, you know, if he wants juice, he'll look at me and say, juice? And I'll okay. say, oh, well, what do we have to say if we want juice? And I'll have him say, I want juice. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, but he's not just going to say, I want juice. And yeah. the other thing that made me concerned about processing or receptive language was, again, I didn't know. I was just listening to another one of um, your podcasts, and you had said that if they were still using jargon after two, that uh-huh. you had to look very closely at receptive. And uh-huh. then when I was reading the therapy manual, it said in the absence of words. And so that was right. another question I had with you, had for you, is I wasn't really sure if he says hi or if he's really excited about something and you know he's naming things and using his little two-word phrases a lot during the day or he goes to daycare and but you know it like if it's a stranger or something he'll say hi and then the jibber jabber jibber jabber comes out or yeah. if he gets really excited about something he's trying to tell you you know about something it's jibber jabber jibber jabber so that's why i was trying to go back in and fill those words in because i felt like yeah. maybe you know, if I just took those words from that list and focused on that, but then when I'm trying to help him do that and play, he just shuts me down. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was just... Okay, you're on the right track. And this really could be an auditory processing problem. And in the absence of any kind of big social red flags, that's where you have to start is with receptive language. But you cannot let him shut you down during play. I mean, he's not learning language if he doesn't hear somebody talking to him. You know what I mean? There's no learning going on. So you have to continue to target 
teaching all of those different word classes. If he has lots of nouns, that is fantastic, and that typically developing children usually have a lot of nouns, but kids with receptive language issues and who go on to be flagged for auditory processing problems as they near school age often have a really hard time learning those other kinds of words, and that's what it sounds like is happening to me. Let me ask you one more question. How many words is he using? I mean, how many words not imitated, not kind of an overlearned holistic phrase, but how many single words do you think, different words that he says completely on his own within a day? Gosh, I really I really don't know. I mean, because he... He imitates so much that we say now. I mean, which is great. And, yeah, and you say, "Oh, does your leg hurt? Leg hurt?" You know, yeah. and again, that kind of concerned me too because I'm like, "Okay, just repeating what we're saying." And I know that you said that there's yeah. a, a time frame where that is, you know, typical right. development where they just imitate exactly what you say. But like I'll say, "Do you want to watch Buzz or Rio?" Rio, uh-huh. and then when I got to put Rio in, he starts crying. You yeah. know, and so everything <laughs> yeah. that I everything that I am looking at, I'm like, this yeah. is receptive and this is auditory processing yeah. and you know, everybody else is like, Oh, you're a speech therapist, he's fine and I'm like, I just literally like yeah. I just oh my gosh, if I hear that one more time I'm gonna cut my leg off, you know. Right. It's right. not he's not picking language up and putting it down. Right. You know, I do everything. I mean he gets speech therapy, good speech therapy now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I have all of your help, you know, all day right. long, every single day. So if I wouldn't have been doing that with him, where where would he be right That's now? Exactly you know, I was right. doing that for six solid months, and so right. Right. that was my that was my question was, you know, if with the jargon, I didn't know if because he was delayed, if that. I think it's still, still because of the rec- yeah. I think okay. it's because he he knows he's supposed to talk but he just doesn't own those words yet. He doesn't have enough spontaneous vocabulary to be able to combine those words yet and fill in phrases, even though he knows he's supposed to talk in those longer utterances. So your job, I think you're definitely on the right track with building that vocabulary receptively, and then over time you're going to see that jargon diminish when he has more language to work with when he has a bigger vocabulary. But I, listen, I want you to get out, listen, and obey too, and watch it again. And the things in there that you need to be doing with him, <coughs> excuse me, are those things where you're playing together and you have him, first of all, start with just having him give you two objects or do those two-step related commands like you've been trying to do. I wouldn't introduce a lot of novel stuff at this point. I love that you're thinking, make the fire truck kiss the puppy, something that would be novel and be fun. That is excellent, but that may be just a hair above where he is right now. And if this is really an auditory processing problem, he's got to learn how to build that little working memory where he can hold two pieces of information there and be able to follow through. And then before he can do that, he's got to understand a lot of language. And if he's mostly a labeler, you know, mostly understands nouns, you're going to have to really fill in the gap with verbs, with prepositions, and with pronouns, and real and descriptive words. And, and 
that can be painstakingly difficult for a kid who really kind of wants to do his own thing during play. And on some level, he probably knows, you know, oh, my goodness, here she is again. I just want to play, Mommy. So you have to be... Yeah, so you have to be, you really, really have to think about the kinds of things that you're playing. Don't let, don't get in a rut with him with things. You know, use novel things. Use different toys that you may, that maybe you only, he only gets to play with when he plays with you. So I would get yourself some, you know, pull together some things like that, some some super fun things that he really likes like that. Um, and in Listen and Obey 2, there are some really good examples on that DVD of targeting verbs, prepositions, pronouns, and descriptive words. And you're just going to, like you said, you've got the list in the therapy manual. Take that vocabulary list and you say to yourself, okay, we're going to play with Buzz Lightyear, so let me look at all the verbs Buzz can do, and we're going to use Buzz's rocket ship, so gosh, I can target these prepositions, you know, in, out, off, on, up, down. We can target these prepositions, and we can target these verbs, and you just have to purposefully make yourself include those words over and over again with you saying them and with him and playing with him and demonstrating those things for him. And, again, don't just narrate what he's doing because he probably does tune you out big time during that. So you've got to jump in there and play with him and have him really follow those directions in the context to play. But it is a fine art to balance between being therapeutic enough and playful enough. And that just takes a ton of discipline and practice to be able to get yourself to do both of those things equally well. Yeah, well, and that's really one of my my biggest issues is just that sometimes, more times than not, you know, like it, like if we were playing with Buzz and Buzz's rocket ship, he would just want to hold it. So if I try to do something with it, if I try to make Buzz walk or run or hop or fly, uh-huh. he would just try to get it from me. And when I would, and I, you know, I really tried to focus on what you said about ratcheting it up and uh-huh. fun and just, you know. <laughs> Well, you really really have read her materials, haven't you, Bree? She has. Yes, I know about your your house. Hey, I kind of wanted to send you an email and be like, I'd love to see the house, and it was probably like a year ago or something. But, um, (laughs) you know, so I just, that was just really one of the hardest things that I was having because he just so quickly, if you try to manipulate his things, I mean, he just does this fling on the floor, face on the floor, crying. And no matter, you know, it's, have you tried to have two things when you play with him? And that's kind of hard with pricey toys, but things like a farm set with kids like that, if they have a cow, then I try to have a cow too so that I'm not always taking their stuff. Oh, see, that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah no, I've not tried that. I have not okay, tried that. I would, I would try that. Is that what you were thinking, Kate? Uh, I'd like to say yes, but really I was really <laughs> – be honest, since we're all chime in, chime in with what you were thinking. Sometimes that does work. I I think it's a great idea. I'm not saying that, but as she was saying about, you know, if she tries to do something with it, he tends to have a meltdown. I really kind of was wondering, well, what's going on with that? That concerns me to hear that. When I see a kid do that, I kind of think, okay, there's something that's not really a typical response. Do you think, Laura? 
sometimes I get a real scary feeling when kids do that because I think sensory-wise there's some other things going on mm-hmm. that make it really difficult for them to be able to allow another person to play with them. That's why I was really questioning you about his social stuff, if there are any other social red flags because that oh. happens a lot with kids that are really struggling socially. But you you don't think that's it. You think it's just a mommy-son dynamic with, okay, okay. And And I will say this, he he is terrible. He is horrible with eye contact. I mean, he will look at me for two fleeting seconds. Yeah. And then, like, head back down. And, I mean, that's a social red flag, Bree. Yes, and let me say this. He has so many red flags that look like autism, Uh except for if you could see this child. And actually, I mean, the OT, she's telling me to look at the sensory stuff. She said, a lot of times this is pointing toward autism, but I absolutely do not think for one second that he's autistic at all. I'm not saying that you take form or fashion. So that's one thing that I really And Kate and I have had those. And we have had those kids, too, and we have had kids where we say, he's not on the spectrum, but haven't we had kids like that, Kate? I mean, we have that conversation routinely. I don't think he's on the spectrum, but, and they have enough quirks and enough uh, kind of overly sensitive responses to things that make you kind of wonder. And with those kinds of kids, you really do have to be so persistent with how you play with them and just absolutely refuse to let them leave you out. But you can't do it in a bossy, you are going to play with me or else kind of way or it totally shuts them down. I mean, you really, really have to walk that fine line. And, Kate, don't we talk about that? in our personal conversations all the time. And sometimes we don't walk the line as well as others, yes, for sure. But I will say that's, I think I referred to a kid like this on my caseload a couple weeks ago. I find that you do have to be pretty, um, how do I want to put it, Not, not stern. You have to be pretty committed to what it is you want him to do, and that is to allow him for him to allow you in his play routines, maybe not to the extent that you would like today, but you need to push towards that every time you sit and play with him. And in a way, you're being very persistent, but you're also doing it with a very heightened affect, with a very playful approach, because kids who have that tendency can sometimes shut people down, and maybe, Bree, because you don't seem to feel as and I suspect you're better than you think you are, but this doesn't seem to be second nature to you. You seem to have a lot of personality, and normally, you know, at least somebody with a lot of personality can be taught to be playful and fun. And you know, but she's from the south. Stuff. That's why she has lots of personality. It's that pretty yeah. voice. I know. It's that sing song voice. You've already got a leg up on on the northerners, so you're one step ahead of me. But all kidding aside, I do think it's it's, it's like. Laura said it is an art, but when kids know, when they do have sensitivities, whether it be, oh, you're interrupting their play routine, or, gee, he wants to hold it and you're trying to make him do something play-based or pretend play or functional play, 
you really have to let him know that you're going to do it, but you're going to do it in as fun and goofy and exaggerated right. and over-the-top way. But don't let him shut you down. Don't let him shut you out, which it sounds like he sometimes does, because you're kind of stepping back and saying, "Woo, I know that makes him mad. You know, maybe... Right, and you're exactly right. I mean, when I found that I kind of have, like, it's almost like I have to be stern with him to get him to attend to me. And then once I'm a little bit more stern with him, then we can go back to the fun play time of it. But if I'm just like, just fun, play, 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 and I just have such a hard time with that because, you know, I mean, it kind of does respond yeah. a little bit better to kind of some structured Jackson sit down and listen to mommy. Right. You know, when he can right. hear the change of my voice. And then he'll pad up a little bit more, but he doesn't seem to have quite the same boo-hoo-hoo-hoo that he has when we're yeah. doing, you know, um, when I'm just, just playing. I really like the idea of having, um, you know, another Try set of yeah. movies for yeah. him. I mean, I think that's great. And the other question I had and with the eye contact, I am read or heard so much. I'm so ingrained with Laura Miles. I'm not sure where I pulled this from with your information, <laughs> Um, you were talking about eye contact and like holding the toy up in front of your face or up front so that way they would have to look at you to get it. Uh-huh. I just didn't really know how important you felt. I read an article about autism and eye contact, but I mean, te- I mean, technically he's not, so I didn't know. Right. Technically, I don't suspect that he is. And but boy, I didn't we really know get... how important the eye contact is. Yeah. And sometimes kids can't really hear you and process language and look at you at the same time. And that's kind of a marker for processing issues as well. And so in those instances, sometimes eye contact can be a little overrated, but you have to have evidence that he's processing and understanding you. You know, you can't just not ever let him really attend to you and engage and not think eye contact isn't important because it is. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Again, here's another gray issue and another fine line issue. A lot of children with auditory processing issues have a really hard time looking at another person and processing what they're saying all at the same time. In a little kid with sensory issues, that might be so overwhelming. But if you don't see evidence that he is processing, that he is following the direction, that he is moving on, then you have to look at that whole eye contact piece as this is part of his social stuff that we've got to get beyond and that we've got to really work on so that I can be sure that he's truly engaging with me. When he plays with you like just social games, Bree, when you guys just chase each other and when you tickle mm-hmm. him and when you throw him up in the air and when you play hide-and-seek, is he really smiley and really looking at you then? Um, yes, and he looks at me more, I would say, three or four feet away, like if we're playing with something, or even if I'm just talking to him. Like, he'll he'll make much more direct eye contact with me than if I'm close up with him. Okay. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of like once he starts getting closer, like if he's, like, right in my face, I mean, or, you know, even two or three feet away. But once you start getting three to five feet away, he'll look at you. You know, if we're sitting at the bar and he's eating and, you know, I say something to him or whatever, I mean, he'll look at you and laugh and, you know, I mean, he's 
And people always okay. comment. They're like, he is so sweet and so loving. And just it's not okay. just with me because, you know, I know okay. you talked about the hyper-focus of the family. So, anyway, the eye contact is really the only social thing. Okay. Is and I mean, he never... pointing? Like, will he, will he reference when you point? Like, if there's an airplane and you say, Jackson, look at that plane. Will he do that yes. kind of thing? Okay, good. Yes. And so you can point across the room and he's following your point and your gaze. He can do that kind of thing. Yes, most of the okay. time. I mean, he doesn't always do it, but most of the time. Okay, but, I mean, he can do it. Yes. Okay. All right. So, processing for him. I think you're on the right track with really focusing on receptive language with him and with uh, back it down a step or two so that when you're playing with him, he's he needs to just nail those one-step directions and again, that's how you're going to be teaching your new verbs, prepositions, pronouns, and descriptive words. But the descriptive words aren't quite as important right now as those other things. And you've got to teach his descriptive words more than anything else. I mean, he hot, cold, yucky. He does. Wow. Yeah. He uses wow. those quite frequently. But I mean, he uses those. And like as far as his verbs, he'll say. Sometimes he doesn't really use a lot of verbs, and he doesn't use a lot of pronouns. I've got him to say mine pretty well, but you know, my turn or you know, um, I do. That's it okay. Or, I'm glad. Okay. You know. Well, that's the beginning. So he's doing that. So you think your your real gaps then? <coughs> excuse me. Are with verbs and with prepositions, right? Yes, and he gets really confused. Like he'll say off, and he means open, or you know okay. he'll say open. Mm-hmm. I mean he he uses those, or he'll yeah. he'll want you to get up, and he'll say off for up. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. he'll use up, but he uses them all mixed up. You know, yeah. and the same thing and with that, colors. Like I'll say, what color is this? Red? No, baby. Green? Yellow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just goes through the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's not I know that's in that category. Yeah, don't fo- don't hyper focus on colors, and I'm sure you've heard us talk about that. Oh yeah, and lang- I don't language yeah. wise. Yeah, where he is, I would just work really hard on your verbs and prepositions right now, and you may have to teach those one at a time. And that, I mean, that is kind of a classic auditory processing receptive language red flag that you're talking about, where he's kind of misusing. He's He knows he's supposed to say a word that's semi-related, but he doesn't have that word, so he's going to use whatever kind of pops up. Um, right. And I've, I've treated kids like that where they almost mislink the word. I had a little boy one time, and Kate, you saw this little guy too, that he would say choo-choo for go. I don't know if you remember which little boy that I'm talking about, but he almost, and he would like, Anytime he wanted to initiate something with his mother, he would say "open," because that's what we start. That's how he would start every therapy routine, every new play routine with me, because I have all my toys in bags. And so he would say "open." So then he would walk in the kitchen, and when he wanted something from his mom, say "open." Do you remember who I'm talking about, Kate? I don't. I'll have to tell you later. Okay. I'm not gonna have the HIPAA police come and get me. <laughs> But you've got to be really, really focused on teaching new words and on helping him understand and link meaning. So I think you're, by how you're describing him, I still would really 
pay attention to those social things because you do not want that to get away from you. But I would focus really hard on receptive language and see you you know what to do. I mean, you called pretty much saying, this is what I'm doing. Is it the right thing? And my answer to you would be, yes, it is the right thing with working on that. And you've got to just fill in those gaps for him. The jargon will go away when he has more language to pull from. Well, do you – the hard thing for me, too, I think I'm always trying to jump a little bit ahead, you know, like – Right. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. When you're speaking of doing the whisper coaching, you know, like if I say, what did you eat today? Or what did you, not today, because obviously that's way out of reference for him, but, you know, like he'll have an orange, and I'll say, what are you eating, or what did you have to eat? And it's like, nothing. And so I'm thinking, you know, I've started saying, orange, you know, and then he'll say, (laughs) orange, so he repeats everything I say. Yeah. (laughs) And I just kind of felt like, do you, what, do you have a time frame for me? I mean, obviously I know that, but do you think that questions, answering questions is something that's, six months to a year down the road for him? I'm, I'm, I'm all yeah. That's ahead. really, kids, you know, that's on the developmental test at 30 months, at two and a half. Typically developing children who don't have any problems learning language can do it much, much, much sooner than that. But our kids who are language delayed, it's on the test at two and a half. And so where he is now, he's, if he's not using a ton of two-word novel phrases on his own expressively and he's not following two-step commands receptively, he's below that 24-month mark. And so it really doesn't matter what the standard score told you on that test. (laughs) You know, where you look at where his skills are functionally, he's not at those big 24-month markers yet. Honestly, I don't like that assessment. I mean, to me, like, it doesn't get a really good... Right. Dynamic, and that's what I, I mean. I have the speech therapist. I went back to her when he was 27 months, and I'm not saying anything about her because I love her for pointing me in the direction of you. But she was like, "No, I think he's still doing okay." And then when I started OT, I was like, "Well, can we try and get him with speech again?" Well, you know, technically he still would score the same level, and I'm like, right. "I'm telling you that if you just sat and talked to this child for five minutes, you would see that he has a breakdown." You and know, that may be what you have to do. You may just have to go back and have a heart-to-heart with her and say, I know how he scored on the test, but let's talk about how his functional skills really look. Let me tell you where he's struggling. Let me tell you what he can't do yet. And really go back and revisit that. And you know, too, that every time you hit, like, another age range with a test with a kid, it's a little easier kind of to qualify them, but it sounds like Jackson stays just right, just right, like you said, hanging on for dear life Mm -hmm. (laughs) with what his little milestones are. But a kid like that really does need therapy, and if you're having a hard time, and I, I so applaud you, Bree, for thinking, boy, I need some help with this, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to look for some additional resources and stuff. But you may really have to have a heart to heart with that speech pathologist and say, can you just see him? You know, maybe not even every week right now. Can we just put right. him on every couple of weeks? You know, if you don't feel like he truly qualifies, you know, what can we work out so that you can help me? You can see him struggling with two step directions. You can see him 
not really processing what we're asking him to do. You can see that he's using some words off target, you know, that he's saying, you know, one word for another word. And so you can tell her, and until somebody works with the kid and sees that themselves, you know, it is hard for a therapist to qualify a kid sometimes just in a one-shot visit without really realizing, and and especially a kid with a therapist mommy, because he probably can kind of turn it on and perform when he needs to because you've been doing that with him his whole little life. So you may have to have a conversation or two or three or get the OT to really help you and say, you know, can we please revisit this? And let me tell you, it is hard to be the parent, uh, to be a therapist and then in the same discipline that you want to get your your kids seen in. My little girl, and again, this is not the same instance, but... Uh, Macy, who's now 16, did not have R until she was 8, and that drove me crazy. I tried to get the school speech pathologist to see her in kindergarten and in first grade and in second grade, and she never would do it because she would say, you're a speech pathologist. You fix it. Good luck. You know, let me give you some worksheets. I'm not going to qualify her. Yet other children in her class (laughs) were working on R in therapy. So sometimes it does take a real squeaky wheel to kind of get over that hump. And a lot of therapists really are intimidated by treating another therapist's kid. I mean, I've treated a lot of therapist kids, uh, but sometimes it makes you a little nervous. And I don't know you know, what's going on. I don't know the person that you've gone to or whatever. But, some, you know, that might be part of it. Right. Like, well, uh, I, took him, I took him to another speech pathologist, and when I was there, she said he was probably just stubborn, like some of the other little preschool boys that she had discharged recently. And, uh, don't like her. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and she's so sweet. And, I mean, I think it's just, again, you know, our area, we're very kind of a rural country yeah. area. And yeah. it's just, it, I think you really have to really think outside the box. And we're from Alabama. It takes us a little while to even get in the box. So, you know, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, and she would get him to say my turn seven times during the whole 30-minute therapy session. And I was like, this is not what I need. I can get him right. to say my turn. You know, I talked to her about the receptive. I, was like, I think it's receptive. She's like, no, I don't think it is. I was like, I think yeah. it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, anyway, it's just been a Do you, Does she specialize in early intervention? No. We don't really have anyone in our area that's – I mean, we have the early intervention, but our early intervention here is – I mean, it's once a month, and it's not – Right. I mean, I'm, I'm doing everything that they would be right. doing. That's all the speech you can get through early intervention is once a month? Yes, unless they are really, really, really behind. And honestly, I don't even need to qualify. I mean, I couldn't even get qualified in private practice, much less right. you know, in two different domains in early interventions. So, right, right. I mean, and I've, mm. I've, I've, I've just really tried everything. I was like, I'll pay you out of pocket. I would, you know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just really need to call, and I just keep having these conversations with myself and, you know, thinking, well, my You're on, okay, hard, you're so. on the right track. You are on the right track. You just have to keep being persistent and keep, again, you can't, you got to really keep it fun to keep him to want to play with you and do it with you. But watch, listen, and obey, too, again, because that's where 
your focus needs to be right now. It's really helping him understand that stuff receptively. And there are lots and lots of therapy clips on Listen and Obey 2 with two-year-old little boys who are playing with farm animals and who are playing with, you know, we're doing pretend cooking and all kinds of things where you can see some really great examples of teaching and working on that kind of stuff and following directions. But you are on the right track. You can do this. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the fact that you both devote so much of your time. I mean, I know sometimes I just feel like if I feel this off target and this lost, being having knowledge of it, I can't imagine a parent right. that does have the knowledge, you know, that I have and the right. understanding that I have. And so, pull in and just listen, other parents, you know, it's they're not alone trying to figure it all out. So, right, right. Well, you were so sweet. I'm so glad you called, and I hope that we've given you some good ideas. I mean, I, Bree, I think we could just have you call every week and talk to you. That could be our new show. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, now, Bree, did you mention the therapy tip of the week? Because those give a lot of good ideas. Have you been tuned into those yet? Um. <laughs> Just about I, I can't hear Bree now. Can you, Kate? She's breaking yeah, she up. Yes, she cut right out right when she was responding. Hang on a second. I'll play out in the country. Okay, I can't really hear her anymore. Can you, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I have been looking at the therapy tip of the week, and I have all those toys, just about every toy that you recommend. My My biggest problem is it's just that I get excited and I get my stuff and we sit down and we get started and then it's just like we'll get five minutes in and then, you know, he just does that thing where he just gets so upset and frustrated with me for manipulating his toys. That's just the hardest time that I've had is once I start trying to with his toys, he doesn't, yeah, he's not receptive to that. Well, try the two toys. Try to have your own little set where you're doing it with him. And the other thing that I would do is do a lot of modeling where you are having your toy do something silly, goofy, funny, and see if he'll really imitate a lot of that. And so if you... So if you're playing with Buzz Lightyear, you're going to hide your Buzz under the couch pillow or hide him behind the curtain or something that you wouldn't normally do. And that's usually how you can turn the corner with play is when you do something that's really corny and unexpected and kind of out of your realm. But that's harder for you to do since you're his mom and he sees you all the time. And so you'll really have to think a little bit with what can I do that's going to really keep him engaged with me plus target the stuff that he needs. Okay. Well, again, thank you both so much. I'll hopefully shoot you an email or something and let you know that it works beautifully because everything, I mean, truly, it's just amazing. (laughs) Everything that I have tried that you've suggested and Kate, too, on the podcast, you know, I mean, it just, and, and, you know, even with the, the jargon, I mean, had I, you know, not had your information, everybody's just like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. And I didn't even know as a speech-language pathologist that jargon right. indicated, I mean, I felt like it was receptive, but that was just something else for me to put in my box to say, I'm justified to think that this is a receptive auditory processing yeah. issue. 
That's no. what I think it is, too. That's what I think it is, too. But I am glad that you're getting his sensory needs taken care of. And I do think that you can have that OT help you talk some speech pathologist into seeing him with you and, and you really partnering with her and you being able to say, look, I think we're staring down the barrel of a you know an auditory processing issue here. Help me tweak this out, tease this out and tweak this so that we really get a handle on his receptive gaps right now. Right. Um, and and I, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. Okay. Please well, email I- me and let me know if you need other suggestions with this. Okay. Well, thank you all both so very much, and you all have a great rest of the Sunday, and I will keep you updated and let you know how it goes, okay? That sounds Please great. Please do. Sounds right, great. Thank so you much. so much for okay. calling. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was I fun. I think she may be an early interventionist yet. What do you think, Laura? <laughs> I think Gosh. she's going to come around on that. I think so, too, but how awesome is it when somebody can just say, I'm not I really needed it. help. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't really my thing. Yeah, That would be cute. me if I had to do with adults, I do believe. I'd be saying, ooh, that's not my forte, but she had a lot of personality, so I think she has good potential. She totally did. Man, it makes me just want to get in the car and drive to Alabama where she is right now and just help her. <laughs> I wish that I could. Well, I think you might hear from her in the future because she seems like a very loyal patron, and she's going to try that stuff, and she's going to call us in a month or two and say, well, this worked, but this didn't. What do you think of this? Yeah. And that's fun to be able to troubleshoot and then let them work their magic and then let us know what works, and we'll give it another shot. So exactly, and we've done that with some other moms who've called and been able to call back. And we haven't heard from Jane in a while. That reminds me of her. And uh, yeah. our, our mom, Jane, who called us a couple times in a row. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. That was fun. If you have any other ideas for Bree, um, Kate, please email those to me this week. Any other thoughts about that? And I'm sure that we'll get to talk about that later. But because we didn't do our intended topic tonight, we're going to hold that over for next week and do um, n- next week's show, talk about the links with motor and cognitive skills with early language because the article that we were going to talk about tonight is pretty interesting and some it ties in beautifully with what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And then the week after that, we'll do uh, ideas for therapy when kids don't necessarily, when they're kind of sick of all your regular toys and kind of that <laughs> next step. That difficult because, stage. Where we're yeah. saying, how much longer till they turn three? Yeah. Sometimes they do yeah. kind of figure it out, and it's your, um, that's when I go to my attic and look for the long-lost something or other that they've never me seen too. before. Mm-hmm. Well, with me, I'm just driving right into Target or Walmart or Toys R Us or whatever's close to getting some new toys. That's why I've ended up with all these bazillion that's toys That's such a huge collection <laughs> at this point. I know. So we'll do that in two weeks. But back to Bree with Jackson. That's not the issue with what's going on with her. With him, she's just got to figure out a way to make those more traditional things that we talk about all the time fun because he's still developmentally not even quite to two yet. And wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. And I hate that she wasn't able to get services. I mean, I just hate that with every fiber of my being. And it does seem like those kids who are borderline kids struggle, 
struggle, struggle, because they always stay just right above where they need to be to get real help. And that that's just too bad because so many of those kids are the kids that, from an early intervention standpoint, if you saw them for good quality services, you may prevent services down the road. I mean, we can't always do that, but sometimes it's those borderline kids that you get to work with and you have so much success with that you think, my goodness, I'm so glad I figured out a way to qualify him because, boy, did he need it. And you can turn the whole course of their development sometimes with a few months of service. So I I hope that she can figure out a way to have somebody help her with that. Right. Well, and it is, you know, we see this happen in, in our realm as well. A lot of times it is those kids who are able to label, 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 yeah. who kind of slip through the cracks because fool, on some yeah. tests they look pretty good. And they yeah. can, you know, but then mm, when you really tease things out and really look at it, what's, what does he really understand? When you get beyond label, 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 it's pretty easy to lose them sometimes, and those things can be easily missed in an assessment yeah. situation. So she And it sounds like that's what's happening too. And then with busy therapists, you know, if you're just thinking, gosh, I'm the only show in town, mm-hmm. you almost do have to save your spots and your slots for kids who are significantly behind versus a kid who's just kind of chugging along. But I hate that because it's those kids who, again, really still need services and could sometimes benefit more. Mm-hmm. You know, without sounding truly terrible, I don't think I really want to keep on talking about that, but it's the truth. So, yeah. Well, at least he has his mommy who's on top of it, and she's doing what she can do. And but a little direction would be good because she's very upfront about saying this isn't necessarily her forte, but I'm convinced it's going to be by the time yeah. Jackson's seven or eight, <laughs> she's going to be real good at it. She was darling. I'm so glad she called. And yay for the speech pathologist for recommending uh, the podcast and the website and all my stuff. So that was great. That was great. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for tonight. Thank you so much, Kate. That was a fun You're hour. Welcome. We've been on such a great roll with callers. If anybody's still hanging on other than Laura and I, I hope they'll call us in the future because we love Me the too. Call. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.